Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military, but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes of veteran mental health. I'm your host, Dwayne France. Let's get ready to make sure that your headspace and timing is set correctly. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Headspace and Timing. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for checking us out. As many of you who serve know, the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal, is one of the greatest weapons in the military's arsenal. The weapon's headspace and timing isn't set right, however, it's just a huge chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing is not set correctly either. That's my mission here, to raise awareness about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week we'll talk about different aspects of veteran mental health and interview mental health professionals that are working with veterans, service members, and their families around the country. Hey folks, Dwayne France here. Thanks for joining me on yet another episode of Headspace and Timing, a show that we're going to talk about uh, veteran mental health and, and what we can do to, to make a change, uh, to, to reduce the stigma and to, to really make an impact on what we're trying to do in our post-military lives. So uh, if you've been listening for a little bit, like to uh, thank you for coming back. Um, this uh, this show today is really going to talk about uh, uh, something that's uh, near and dear to my heart, and, and it's about trying to reduce the stigma and, and help people to understand uh, about veteran mental health. Uh, I've got a couple of different goals when it comes to uh, the writing that I do and the, the podcast that I do here, and that's to help some of my colleagues to understand uh, what it is like to work with veterans, uh, but also to help veterans to understand what it's like uh, to uh, kind of work with a mental health counselor. So uh, I'm in a unique position being both of those things to kind of bridge the gap. Uh, And that's what uh, this show uh, and actually the next show are going to be about. So this is going to be a two-part series, and uh, it's going to be looking at things from, uh, from two different sides. So today's episode is going to start out with uh, eight things that a veteran wants their mental health counselor to know. So this is uh, as much for the therapists uh, who may be listening, the mental health professionals, to to give them an idea of a little bit about what a veteran uh, may want them to understand when it comes to a veteran coming to sit down for therapy. The next episode is uh, is going to be looking at eight things that a mental health professional wants a veteran to know. So uh, it's going to be kind of a bookend. This is based off of a, a series, a very short series of blogs that I wrote. You can find those over on VeteranMentalHealth.com. 
and uh, I'll make sure to add those to the show notes. So today, again, is going to be talking about eight things that a veteran wants their therapist to know. The first thing uh, that uh, veterans, I think, in my experience, that want their therapist to know is uh, the veteran's not sure that it's necessary. Uh, there's something about sitting down and talking to a stranger that a veteran finds challenging. You know, I was talking to a, a connection of mine, and, and he said something uh, pretty profound was that, uh, you know, kicking down doors is a lot easier than talking about kicking down doors. Whether the fact that the veteran's going to share their darkest, most intimate secrets, uh, or that they've tried to do that with somebody else before and they've been betrayed or hurt, it's going to be challenging for a veteran to, to reach out for help. Uh, there's so many times where I've had a veteran come in and sit down and they say, you know what, I'm not even sure why I'm here. You know, I, I should be able to handle these things. I should be strong enough to be able to deal with this stuff on my own. When we were in the military, our mindset of enduring hardship and sucking it up and driving on, and that kind of stuff continues even though we're no longer in the service. Uh, so it's important, I think, to help veterans understand why, why it's necessary, why processing these events and kind of putting them in the right place is, uh, is necessary uh, for their continued health and wellness. Second thing I think that veterans would really like for therapists to know is that they're really, really trusting you. There is a, a, a huge part of telling some of the most intimate details of things that happen in the military and deployments um, that takes an immense amount of trust. And therapists know this. Um, one of the big things uh, that I know as a mental health professional that the best thing uh, that I can do, client, is establish what we call the therapeutic relationship. More than anything else, that's seen evidence-wise in, in, uh, in research has shown that that's the biggest thing that helps any therapist and their client move forward um, is, uh, is the bond that there is between a mental health professional. Uh, it, trust is a huge thing for veterans. From the moment that they join the military, trust is a factor that's as critical as food or water, it, it, just like anything else. They trust their brothers and sisters. They trust uh, that people are going to have their back, that they're going to support them. They trust their leaders. They trust their equipment. They trust their tr training. Uh, sometimes, yes, absolutely, in the military, that trust is betrayed, um, often in ways the veteran doesn't understand, and uh, sometimes that might create conflict. For a veteran who wants to sit down with a mental health professional, that's the ultimate trust fall, and uh, that's placing not just their own life, that veteran's own life, in the hands of the therapist, but some of the most precious, meaningful, important, uh, painful things that the veteran can think of, the memories of those um, they've trusted in the past. So trust is a huge thing, and for a veteran to come in and sit down and, and want to talk to a mental health professional, that's telling you that you're probably dealing with one of the most precious things they have to give. A third thing in my experience that veterans uh, want, to, uh, want a, a mental health professional to know is that the only reason they're there is because they're tired of feeling like crap. I don't want to say that's a blanket statement, but uh, I, I don't know that there are a whole bunch of veterans that seek mental health treatment proactively. Uh, instead, it's usually, you know, I realized I needed to get help or I'm here because somebody told me I need to be here. 
There's an internal struggle between not wanting to admit to needing help and recognizing it's necessary and important. Both of those things are kind of on the same scale of balance. When one becomes higher than the other, that's usually when when the veteran decides, you know what, I I think it's time for me to talk to somebody. Um, That's when they'll actually take action. Unfortunately, sometimes this happens because there's challenge in their lives, and that challenge has become more significant than the barriers of treatment that exist. The fact that the veteran has been able to overcome the challenges and asking for help is a huge indicator that they really need to be there. So for the fact that a veteran comes in and says, I need to talk to somebody, you can't dismiss it. They're there because they feel like they have a reason to be there. A fourth thing that a veteran, I think, would want a, uh, a mental health professional to know is that I really want to be able to talk. If there's one thing that we like to do, it's tell stories. Uh, there's, there's a reason why the Change Your POV podcast network exists, uh, and it's because we want to mentor, we want to help, and we, we like to tell the stories that we have. We want to uh, be able to tell stories about what happened to us, uh, stories we tell ourselves about what what uh, happened to ourselves and, and, and why things happen. Uh, a lot of the stories are funny. Uh, a, a large portion of the stories are unbelievable. Um, and many of the stories are the most difficult things that you'll ever have to listen to. The fact that a veteran is coming in and talking to a mental health professional indicates that they have a desire to be able to talk about their experiences and want to understand them. Number five is really a continuation of that. I really want to be able to talk, but I have no intention of doing so. So uh, the other side of the equation is that a veteran has zero intentions of telling the story they so desperately want people to hear. Uh, it might because, uh, be because they don't feel like it's worth it, that nobody in the military, uh, or if you haven't been in combat, you can't understand uh, it might be that uh, the veteran's afraid that if they dig up the past, they're going to be haunted by memories even more than they already are. You know, if if I uh, poke my my stick in that particular pond and and, uh, and and disturb the dirt at the bottom, you know, who knows what's going to surface? Uh, for whatever the reason, the veteran both wants people to understand and does not want people to understand. Uh, they they don't want to have to tell them about it. Waiting patiently for one of those two things to come out is absolutely critical to to helping a veteran. Uh, The sixth thing um, that a veteran wants their mental health professional to know is that that they're going to shut down if they feel like you're judging them. A a singular way to destroy any kind of rapport with a veteran is to express horror or condemnation or revulsion at their experience. Uh, A non-judgmental point of view and unconditional positive regard are some of the most fundamental aspects of of mental health professionals, but actually putting these things into practice can be difficult in working with veterans. You know, I've had veterans explain to me, you know what, the the, the last therapist uh, I went to, um, I couldn't keep going because all they did was cry whenever I would tell them and I didn't want to, I didn't want to hurt them anymore. Or um, they acted scared of me or, you know, they, they told me they couldn't help me because uh, my challenges were, were, were so worse than what they've experienced. Um, so that kind of uh, horror and judgment can be like the veteran looking in the mirror. Sometimes it's the way they feel about themselves. And if the mental health professional judges a veteran in that way, they're going to shut down. And not only are they going to shut down, they're likely not going to seek help from anyone else either. 
And so a veteran really wants the therapist to be able to know, look, if you judge me, I'm out of here. Uh, number seven on the list of things that, uh, that veterans want their mental health professional to know is a lot of them don't think that they'll be able to understand what the veteran experienced. This is something I've heard from, from veterans all the time. They don't get it because they haven't been there. Uh, it's if the, the therapist has no legitimacy when it comes to life experience. You know, the veteran appreciates the effort that we would have gone through to get the education we have. It, it goes to a, a hope that the veteran has, the hope that you'll be able to help, that's also tied to an equally strong belief that you won't be able to. Uh, understanding veterans and military culture is huge, uh, and it goes beyond just learning acronyms and rank structure. In, in understanding the military culture and what the veteran experienced, it's going to go a long way to establishing, establishing legitimacy in the veteran's eyes. A, a colleague of mine says that we're so confident, uh, therapists are so confident in the product we have that people should just trust us. Um, and that idea, you should trust me because I'm a professional can help, doesn't mean so much uh, to a veteran. Uh, the, something that could mean a heck of a lot more is, I've taken the time to learn about you and what's important to you. Uh, the fact that the, the veteran's culture is a different culture, um, they see things differently, they understand things differently, is differently as someone uh, who grew up in a, a inner city would think and feel things differently than someone who grew up on a farm in a rural community with 1,700 people in their town. Um, so it's, it's important to understand that the veteran doesn't think you'll be able to understand, and taking the time to understand can help them learn how to share what they experienced. Then the last thing that I think a veteran would want a therapist to know is that they have no desire to be coddled, revered, or bullied. Uh, there are three things that I think that I've seen that, that a veteran finds challenging. Being treated like a victim, being treated like a hero, or being treated like a child. They're going to reject the first. Uh, they, they don't want to be seen as a victim. Uh, they'll reject the victim mindset, many veterans. Um, although, and, and this is likely going to be a discussion for a future podcast, is some of them play into the victim mindset. Um, but the minute you call them a victim or treat them like a victim, they're going to reject it. Uh, they don't want to be known as a broken-winged bird or a, a three-legged dog or, oh, the you poor veteran. You know, approaching the veteran from the point of view that they're a damaged, fragile human that just needs to be cared for is a sure way to get them to reject any assistance you may want to provide. It may be true that they're fragile and damaged, but many veterans are not used to being treated that way, and they'll reject that. They'll deny the second, being treated like a hero. Uh, no veteran that, uh, that I know of um, would, uh, would accept the, the label of a hero or the, 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 the thought of being a hero. You know, I often tell guys, um, men and women that I see, you can get a group of veterans sitting around a table and ask them, you know, who's the strongest, who's the fastest, who's the smartest. And they're going to argue with each other about who is the strongest and who is the fastest and who is the smartest. And, you know, Marines are, are this and, and, you know, uh, soldiers are that and sailors are this. Um, and, and so they're going to be trying to one-up each other. But the minute you ask them who's the bravest, who's the most heroic, who sacrificed the most, and they're going to point at each other. They're not going to acknowledge that, that they are the hero. 
and, and it is a humility thing, but it's more than just a humility thing. It's a fact that, that we actually know heroes. We know people that have done heroic things. We've known people that have, have done more than we have, and, and, and we consider them the true heroes. So if a, a therapist treats a veteran like a hero, uh, then they're going to deny it. They're, they're going to be uncomfortable with it. They're not going to like it. The most heroic people they know are the brothers and sisters that didn't make it from combat, and comparing themselves to those they consider true heroes can be challenging. The, the veteran doesn't see it that way. And, and finally, uh, the veteran is going to resist the third being treated like a child. They're, they're not going to... Uh, they're not going to respond to uh, someone being forceful with them or just telling them, look, you, you should just get over it or uh, this is what you need to do. I've heard it from veterans who have heard it from mental health professionals. Um, and, and it's surprising that I hear it from some of my colleagues, but, uh, but that's what they're told. You know, look, it, it happened 15 years ago. You should just move on from it or you should just get over it. That kind of thing is going to increase resistance rather than reduce it. And so uh, figuring out which one of, of, of these stereotypes, well, all three of the stereotypes really should be, resi- uh, should be avoided, um, and, and engaging in these stereotypes, you know, saying, you know, oh, I'm so proud of you, of which you very well may be. Or, you know, oh, you were in, you know, Fallujah, you know, but, but acting like a, a fan rather than uh, someone who is, is, is there to support the veteran uh, and help them to, to understand um, how things, uh, how the things that happened in the past is affecting their present and how they could affect their future is really going to get in the way. Uh, so, uh, so that's, that's pretty much it. And, and he, he kind of went through it a little bit uh, quicker. As I'd mentioned, um, this is uh, linked to a blog post. It goes a little bit more in depth, but uh, it's, it's one of those things that uh, it might be helpful uh, to understand, you know, some of the things that a veteran wants their mental health professional to know. And I'll run through them again real quickly. Number one, the veteran's not really sure that uh, this therapy thing is necessary. They're trying it out, but uh, they're not sure it'll work. Number two, really, really trusting you. It's, it's the, the trust that's huge, um, especially when you get into some of the, the, the deeper topics. Number three, many times the only reason the veteran is uh, seeking mental health support is because they're tired of feeling the way they do and that somebody pointed out to them that they might need some help. Number four, I really want to be able to talk. Veterans really want to be able to tell their story, which leads into number five. They have no intention of telling their story, and understanding which one of those is going to come up uh, on any given time is important. And number six follows that. I'll shut down if I feel like you're judging me. I want to be able to talk. I have no intention of doing so. And I'll shut down. I'll stop talking if I feel like you're, you're judging me for something. Number seven, a lot of times veterans have preconceived notions that they don't think that you'll be able to understand what they experienced, uh, that it's going to be something that, 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 that they feel as though only, you know, only a combat veteran or only an army, you know, only a Marine can, uh, can understand because that's my experience. Uh, and then number eight um, is really a big one, is uh, to move beyond the stereotypes, um, that, that the veteran has no desire to be coddled, revered, or bullied. 
you know, this is uh, by no means an exhaustive list. Uh, are there more that can be added? Are there some here that uh, may not be off, you know? So there you have it. Um, this is by no means an exhaustive list. Uh, there might be more that can be added. There are some here that might be off the mark. Uh, you know, I'd love to to hear you, you know, uh, tell me that uh, I've got it wrong or um, that you, you think, uh, you know, something else should be added. Please uh, reach out to us. Um, you can uh, make a comment in the show notes. Uh, you can reach out through the uh, comment on the Change Your POV website. We'd love to hear from you. Feel free to uh, join the uh, Change Your POV squad over on Facebook. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, and, uh, and, and we can talk about uh, what you think should be added to the list over there. <clears throat> there can never be enough conversations about veteran mental health, and joining in that conversation can only be- benefit veterans and those looking to serve them. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. I look forward to hearing your feedback. And, uh, and make sure to, to tune in next week where I'm going to give the other side of this, where uh, the eight things a mental health professional wants a veteran to know uh, so that uh, veterans may be listening to this, um, might be able to get uh, the other side uh, of, of this particular story. So thanks again. I appreciate it and uh, look forward to joining you next week. ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.